Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your Ohio State podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined by Ari Wasserman. Just a few days left until Ohio State and Alabama play in the national championship in Miami, uh, January 11th, Monday night. At least we think. At, at, at this moment, as we record on Friday morning, all systems are go for Ohio State and Alabama to play on Monday. I know there was some talk earlier in the week about this game potentially getting uh, postponed. That does not seem like that's the case, but you know we have... Uh, we got three more days to get there, but Ohio State is planning to leave for Miami on Saturday. I think Alabama actually leaves on Friday, so they'll be there be there a day ahead of, of Ohio State. But Ohio State's been practicing all week, preparing to play on Monday, and, and we're preparing to, to or I'm preparing to cover a, a national title game on Monday night while Ari kicks his heels back. And uh, where are you? I'm in Cabo San Lucas, yep. and uh, I'm doing podcasts with you. I'm doing podcasts with Andy. We got the first question I had at check in was where are the televisions. Uh, we'll be all systems to go here too, but don't don't worry about it. Just because there's an ocean in the background doesn't mean that I'm not going to be all locked in for the national title game. If there was the option of looking at the national title game or looking at the ocean, I'd be looking at the ocean. Yeah, I'm going to be looking at the ocean and the national title game at the same time while in a bubble tub. That's kind of what I'm hoping wow, for. The and then I have my phone. The iPhone is waterproof, so while I'm in the bubble tub, I'll be able to fire off takes. What's the uh, what's the the uh, the sports betting situation down there in Mexico? Um, 
they've got Wi-Fi, so we're, we're, <laughs> so, we'll so we're rolling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's any bookies around here, but uh, there's something. Yeah, you don't want to uh, you don't want to get indebted to the to the Mexican bookies. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. no, I think we'll uh, we'll just stay in the hotel room and throw the game on, and I'm really looking forward to it. So you know, I, it'll be the the same experience that everybody else has, just it's in a nice resort paid by Marriott. It's in points. the Capula it's Suite. Be great. It, we're in that we got upgraded to the Capula Suite. All right, so we're going to give our picks for uh, the national championship later in this podcast, so stick around for that. But before we get there, we wanted to do a, a nice uh, subscriber Q&A, theathletic.com slash 4-6, get you subscribed, and you can ask us questions uh, for future episodes, although we don't know when that's going to be because the season's going to end on Monday night. Um, I think through these questions, you'll get an idea of how we're feeling about the game, and, and honestly, I think some of these questions might help us crystallize our, our predictions a little bit because I think like I'm pretty sure what I'm going to pick but I'm not all the way there and I think maybe through some discussion um, I, I can get all the way there we could figure out what we think is going to happen on Monday night so are you ready to Bill, get I don't questions? know what I'm going to pick either man like I I, I don't know what I'm going to pick either and I feel like by talking it through hopefully it'll help me get there but as I sit here right now I don't know I know what what side I would bet yeah I don't know what side I would pick yet do you have a lean Heart, gut, or mind, heart. That's kind of how it is right now. It's like, tactically speaking, I think that it's the smart play to pick Alabama, and that's probably where I'm going to end up. But, like, part of me feels like, and I don't know if this is just some something from covering the 2014 team or seeing Ohio State achieve great things with teams that we don't think can do it based on just being in the moment and playing the highest possible uh, level you can play. And, you know, I don't know if all the team at Destiny stuff is – it's a fun thing to, like, feel. and, and But, like, sometimes I just feel like when a team is going to do it, they're going to do it. And that's part of the reason why, uh, you know, it was so interesting to cover the 2014 season. But in terms of who I think the better team is right now, I still think Alabama's probably the better team. Also, we don't know who's really playing in this game. Yeah. Like, COVID issues is vague. And, like, whenever you're picking a game – it's really hard to do it when you don't know the personnel, you know, yeah. and it's like if there's certain players that are that stepped up big and, you know, were major pieces and the pieces that weren't part um, of the game against Clemson aren't playing as well. Like you're getting into a position right now where it's like Ohio State has to play the perfect game and get the most out of all their players to win this football game like they did against Clemson. But like every player they're missing is going to be a major thing because they have to be healthy to win this game. They're playing Goliath. So like Part of me thinks that like Ohio State is on this track where, you know, they got everything out of all their players. They're feeling good about themselves. They made it through an off season where there might not have been a season. Justin Fields uh, made it through bad games to have the best game probably of his career: six touchdowns, six incompletions. All the things that have it seems like it's building up to a national championship because that's what happens. But unlike in 2014 when Ohio State beat the Big Bad Wolf. Then got to play a, a manageable Oregon team in terms of talent. Now Ohio State's got to play Alabama. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm trying to like sift through my brain on like how I feel about this game, and I, I think we'll get there. But um, the good news is is that I think it's going to be a really good game. Yeah, and so do I. you know, I think that's all Ohio State can fans can hope for is hey, do they have a chance to win in the fourth quarter? And you know, I think that I would think my answer to that question, regardless of who I pick, I think would be yes right now. Yes would be my answer to that to that as well. And and you you brought up the and I guess I mentioned at the top too the the COVID stuff with Ohio State's like um 
our policy at the athletic and i think it's a policy of other places too is like we don't say who's tested positive unless the school does which ohio state doesn't or the player does which has happened a couple times it doesn't happen all the time so like we hear the same stuff that you guys hear um and and not to say that like i have like concretely confirmed anyway any of that stuff because i haven't um but we hear it too like we're not we're not trying to duck it it's just like we have policies about this stuff that we have to adhere to so like we can't talk about who might have it who might not play who who might play that kind of stuff um, so th- apologies if that's frustrating but that's just kind of where we're coming from with this so wanted to get that out there as we as we talk about it so all right ready for the yep. first question i'm ready from tyler s who would you say has slash had a better chance to win Last year's Ohio State team against LSU or this year's Ohio State team against Alabama? I think Ohio State's team last year against LSU would have given them a better game than Clemson got or that they got from Clemson. Yeah, I think so too. I think and Ohio State believes that for sure. Yeah, I and I don't know. LSU, I think people will continue to view them as the best team in the history of college football or one of them just from the offensive output and – the way the defense stepped up and all the things that, you know, the way that they just ran through the schedule without ever really having a hard time. Uh, So it's like hard to put yourself in a position, but man, when I think back at last year's team, I didn't see a team that had a flaw. And that's the thing that's the most confusing, even a year removed from that is even now looking back at even how they lost, like what was that team's flaw? Mm, Pass protection was iffy, but really aside from that, um, I mean, they had like a first round pick at every single position. Like it's just, or basically like JK wasn't a first round running back, but you know, I, I just like was the most complete team. So it's like, I would take that team to play anybody ever, even though they ended up losing to Clemson and didn't get a chance to play LSU. I think, um, the team is probably more equipped to compete with anybody than this year's Ohio state team is, but it's a little bit different because I don't know that any team is as good as LSU this year. Um, Mm -hmm. I also don't know if how good your team is matters as much as being on top of everything at the right time, too. It's like this Ohio State team probably is more confident and more sure that it's going to win a national championship than last year's team. And it's like I think from a makeup standpoint, from a personnel viewpoint, that would be my pick. But I also like where this team this year is at better than I did last year. I think that's the right way to view it because that's where I kind of am, too. I I think – I think you asked me on the last one if I thought if I was at the place where I thought last year's team or this year's team is better than last year's team, and and I don't because I think that the difference in the defenses is, is so stark, and last year's was so much better. Um, but I, th- it's almost like what's necessary to complete the job, that, like in each individual scenario. I think maybe this team is a little more set up to beat this Alabama team than last year's Ohio State team might have been to beat that LSU team. I just don't know if in the end that Ohio State team last year could keep pace with LSU because I don't think anyone was going to stop LSU, even if we're as good as Ohio State's defense was. I guess they could get after Joe Burrow in a way maybe that he wasn't pressured last year. Um, but I still think it would have come down to can you score enough to keep up with them. And, and I don't know if with like an injured Justin Fields and an offensive line that was good but a little iffy protecting the passer if they could do that last year. And I think this year's team can score with this year's Alabama's team. this year's Alabama team. And I think that they're – peaking i don't know like last year i don't think ohio state was peaking in the playoff i don't really know when ohio state's peak was last year um and they played really well against clemson but they they 
with an injured Justin and all the stuff I said, like I don't know if that was that wasn't peak form. I think of Ohio State. I think this what we saw against Clemson was Ohio State's peak form. So I would take that. I think going into this game than I would where Ohio State was going into the playoff last year. I, I agree with that, and I just think that this team. This team can really score, man. Like we saw, like the, what they did against forty-nine points against Clemson. I think was the most that Clemson's allowed since two thousand thirteen. They had like six hundred and something yards of offense. They were just like they pummeled Clemson, and that's a pretty good defense. Um, so I think I take this matchup, I, and I don't know. I actually don't know which of the two teams is better: this Alabama team or last year's LSU team. There are metrics that tell you that this year's Alabama offense is better, but it's hard to say that because. I haven't gone through and like looked at strength of schedule and like how their seasons have progressed. And this is a weird year too. Like I think I think like we've said before, it's hard to bring context to this season because of how like disruptive it's been with with the COVID stuff. Um, I think maybe LSU last year was a little better than Alabama this year, and because this Ohio State offense is like firing on all cylinders at the time it absolutely needs to, I think I like this team's chances of winning a little more than I would have liked last year's teams. Did Ohio State look as good in any game last year as they did against Clemson? No. And I guess it's kind of a hard question to ask because the competition level was about as good as you could make it. And they played Clemson last year, even though I do think that Clemson was better. I think the biggest difference between this year's Clemson team and last year's Clemson team is Justin Ross and T. Higgins. Like, I mean, not having those guys, I, I think, makes it a little bit harder for them to be as lethal offensively as they've been in the past but the way Ohio State played that game I think you can make the argument that that was the most complete impressive Ohio State performance in, since 2014 in any in any realm yeah I think it was so you know taking that team right now in a situation where they're playing Alabama with 10 days off to get healthy from that that fight of a game it was I think that you have to like your chances now the only thing that gives me pause is depending on how many players are out and the way that they're going to be hit by COVID. Cause it's, it's also remarkable that Ohio state got to this point, having been hit harder by this virus than any other team in America. It's like, they didn't miss two games and then get through it. And then are fine. Like it's just been a general obstacle every single week of the year, no matter what, whether it's them or whether it's their opponent, it's just like insane. And like part of me, and I'm sure we'll probably get to this, but the COVID thing is so annoying because it's just like everybody wants to watch the best version of the game. And it's like an Ohio state's already a pretty big dog. And like going into this without key players, potentially, I think just kind of sucks for like what the game is supposed to be and what it means. Yep. It's like, you want to play the game at the full potential to crown the best team in the country. And it's like Alabama is probably the best team in the country right now. And there's a reason why they're touchdown or, or touchdown plus favorites. But it's like, if Ohio state comes out with a position group decimated because they're not playing because of a virus, I would postpone the game. Like I, I would push to postpone the game, and I, the same thing for for Alabama if their three, if three of their most important players were out. Like you want to see Titan versus Titan. Like that's the reason why the national championship game is what it is. So you know, it, it might sound like I'm trying to like bring like pre build excuses in, and if they play the game, that's the team that they have that day. But it just seems odd to me that you would fight through this season, and there's only two teams that are impacted by it. There's not a whole schedule to adhere to. There isn't a whole uh, conference of teams that are you're holding up. I mean, it's just two game, two teams with two with two rosters, and I would want, and I feel like they would want to have the best product out there by getting both rosters as healthy as possible, and, and putting them in a position to play at the highest level. So you know, maybe it's a bigger deal than it is. Maybe it's not as big of a deal as it is. But you know, it's just even crazy too, Bill. Going back to the the semifinal, like the testing protocols were different for both teams. It's just like we're in the playoff now. 
Like, what are we doing? Why, why is it not the same? It just was strange to me. So yep. I don't know, like, what Ohio State's doing from a testing standpoint at this point. You know, three days removed from the game. Ohio State had canceled a game this year the day before a game. You know, and I know that they're not completely out of the woods yet, but it just, to me, seems like you'd want uniformity in the testing measures, but also you'd want both rosters to have as much talent, healthy, ready, available as possible. And like everybody, like Nick Saban's daughter tweeting what she tweeted and saying that Ohio State's ducking them because of uh, they want to get Justin. It's like, wouldn't that give Waddle another week? Like, I mean, I think everybody would be better off with, with, with more time if it comes to that. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I think they would be on some level, but what? Like, I don't. I don't think anyone wants this season to go a day longer than it needs to go because, like, it's been hard. It's like asking guys. Like Nick Saban said this, and I and I guess on some level you can think it's BS, but I kind of agree with him. It's like you're going to ask him to practice another week. Um, the game that the the day that the game is scheduled, the 18th, I think, is also like the deadline to declare for the draft. Um, like there's a lot going on and I don't really think anybody wants to postpone this game and the thresholds that the playoffs set in place for like minimum roster requirements are pretty low. It's like 53 players and it's like bare minimum four defensive linemen, one quarterback. I think it's five offensive linemen. Like they set this as low as they possibly could to make sure that this game happens. It's like, what's the point of even having that? That is so absurd to me. To make like, sure the, the game idea... gets played. No, I know, but I'm saying like the idea that they made these these so low it's almost like there shouldn't be a threshold at all because it's like you're getting to the point now where you're bare bones at some of these positions at those like well there really isn't one because you can like that's that's the threshold i think where you can start inquiring about postponing a game but you can also just decide you want to play like that doesn't trigger an automatic postponement you can basically what they seem to have in place is you can play with whoever you want as long as you're willing to do it um and i actually think that ohio state is willing to play no matter who it has. And I think Alabama, I mean, they're in a different situation, so it's easier for them to say that, but I think they're in the same position. On some level, like, I, I want this to be a good championship game, and I hope it is a good championship game, and I think it will be a good championship game, but on some level, I think a lot of people just want this season to be over. Who who wants the season to be over? Just like all Everyone the who's gone through it. Everyone, all these players and coaches, especially on the Ohio State side, who have had to shove a Q-tip up their nose for the last four months. And then, like, live in fear of what that test is like. I don't yeah. think I don't think I, there's like, enough think appreciation the ca- of the mental toll that's been like. And they asked to play, and that's fair. Like, they asked to play, but I don't think there's been enough of appreciation of, of an appreciation for how mentally draining this has been. I don't uh, discount any of that, and if that's how it came across, please, that's not what I mean. But I also feel like too, it's just like if you climb up a mountain and you're climbing up Everest. That's a pretty huge toll, and it's just like when you get to the peak, you don't want to like sit behind a tree and not see the view, you know. And I don't know if that's a good analogy or not, but it's just like they've gotten to this point now, and it's like I understand and appreciate what you're saying. You want this just to move on and turn the page, let these guys hug their parents. Like I understand the toll that that they're that the, this is taking on them, but at the same time too, it's like you work so hard and you go through the Q-tips up the nose and and staying in your house and being so deadly afraid of catching this virus that it has a mental impact all those things but it's like now that you fought through it to get to the national championship game you think ryan day doesn't want the best possible chance to win or that he doesn't want to put himself in a position where he has the best roster available well, so that i guess he can the, win this game yeah, i mean he might but like what does pushing a week doesn't give him anything anyone who says a positive since the sugar bowl can't play in the championship anyway no i know i would push it a week and a half i'd push it two weeks I mean, no, i'd push it no, two you can't do that yeah 
I mean, it's not. I would, I would push it as far. Yeah, I mean, I, there's no point in pushing it five days if nobody comes back. The point that I'm saying is push it to a point where they can have these guys on both sides healthy and available to play in the national championship game. And it's like if you want to watch a fractured version of a national championship game or a team might win because the other team didn't have their, their best players, that would suck after everything that we went through to get to this point. You know, that's my only point. So, yeah, it's like you, you, you know, you fight hard. How many millions and millions of dollars get invested in by these programs to put yourself in a position to hang a banner? And it's like when you finally get to the, the top of the mountain, when you can play for a national championship, you're doing it without important players. And then those important players could be the reason why you win or lose. It's just like what it's just nuts to me. I don't know if I'm like overreacting to this or not, but it's just like if you watch this game and Ohio State has a position group that's decimated by the virus and then that de- the, the replacements who play in that position group get burned by Bama all game and they end up losing, it's just like after all that, it's just like you lost the game and not only did you lose the game, you might have been able to win if you held out for seven more days. Yeah, I mean, I, guess, I mean, the only way you get to the kind of championship game that you're talking about is if like you put the teams in a bubble for two weeks. And yeah. it's like, I don't, I just, I guess I wouldn't, I, I, you could do it. Like the, the cat's out of the bag with this. We all know why they're playing, but at the end of the day, they are still technically amateur athletes. And I just don't, I don't, I don't think they'd go to that extent. I don't think I'd be comfortable with them going to that extent. Um, but I think that's the only way to get this done. And yeah, I know. I mean, cause happen. you could postpone it and then more people could pop. Yeah. I mean, like, I, and like I, I understand that. Anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. Uh, it's it just like. I'm excited for the game. Whatever the game is, it'll be beautiful in its own right as a result of, you know, the fact that we even got to this point. But, you know, it's just like when you think about what the stakes um, are and our listenership is increased to the highest it's ever been because people care about this the most. And, you know, you know how important this is to the, pe- the people that, you know, support it and love it. And win or lose you want to feel like your best team win or lost you know you don't want to just lose and then it be because you didn't you weren't healthy enough after all that because it's just like why why do it then <laughs> you know it just yeah although if they do win it'd be pretty cool <laughs> yeah no, i mean, I guess if you win without your best players <laughs> potentially and i and when i keep saying best players this is all hypothetical like we don't know just for sure who's out we've heard players, the rumors yeah. but important players and it's like all it takes is one important player to be out because all it took for Ohio State to beat Clemson was for Justin Hilliard to turn into Ray Lewis. Like, I mean, it's just like if he were out of that game, to use him as an example, it's like before the game you might be like, okay, they'll be fine. It's just Justin Hilliard. And it's just like, what was that? You know, and it's just like these players that are that are in this position and like the, I guess the biggest thing too here, not because of our uh, desire for a pure national championship or purity or, or the ability to, to compete at the highest level, it's just these kids. Like I can't imagine going through all this shit and then not being able to play because I was unlucky enough to catch it the, the last week of the season. That's yeah, tough. It just sucks. Yeah. It just sucks. It does suck. So I guess part of it too is just all year we've been stressing the mantra. Uh, we're doing the best that we can. Um, all the things that, you know, you do, you, you delay games, you change rules, you change schedules, all the things that you have to do. And it's just like, if the national championship is 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 this way because of COVID, it's just like, that's the year we're having. And I just, you kind of, part of you just has to accept it, I guess. Yeah, I think I think that's true. It's a it's an unfortunate reality, but I think that is kind of like it's, at this point, there's nothing you can do about it. Like, it's too far gone. It's like, oh, the, the 
the virus found its way to Ohio State and like it hasn't gone away. And I don't think there's anything they can do short of bubbling the entire team for a few weeks to, to get past that. And they're not going to do that. So it is what it is. Um, I do think they're going to, I mean, I guess barring changes in the next couple days. I think their last day, if it, it, the one thing that's different about this, typically Ohio State tests, I think it's like up to 16 hours before kickoff they had to test. Um, that is not the case with this game, as far as I know. I think their last testing day is either Friday or Saturday, and the game's not until Monday. So that's a little different. Um, but I yeah. think by by the middle of the weekend, we should have a pretty good idea of like who's available, or Ohio State anyway, would have a pretty good idea of who's available and who's not for the game. So that's a little bit different for them. Um, but it seems like they're going to play. So like whatever, Ryan Day, Ryan Day was asked about it on Monday. Uh, just like straight up, Michael Casagrande from AL.com said, like, how many players do you have available? And Ryan Day is like, I, I don't know. We're not going to tell you that. And then somebody else asked him, like, uh, are you confident you're going to have enough guys to play? And Ryan Day's answer was, we'll have plenty of players. It's <laughs> <was> like, okay, <laughs> here we go. Okay. They're coming to Miami with whoever they got. Yeah, it does seem like they're full steam ahead. And if they're full steam ahead, then maybe we should just focus on being full steam ahead about previewing it. Yeah. So, you know, it's like funny to me because I keep looking at the line because a few times this year, the line has moved before the availability reports have come out. And I don't know how that happens, but like the line has just been steady at eight for the entire week. So, um, you know, I don't know if some of the names that are rumored to have caught it are the names that, you know, have caught it or won't be available. I'm, I'm very curious to know what that'll do to the line. But um, as things stand right now, I think Ohio State's in a position too where it's just like, they're ready to do this, and if there's some guys out, then whatever. They're on the stage, and, you know, I, I don't know. I think they have a chance to win this football game. So, you know, here we are, and, and, and three days away, let's go. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, let's get back into some football questions then. A lot of questions about Ohio State secondary, which I guess isn't totally surprising given this matchup. Um, I thought this was a good one, sort of a jumping off point. From Jeff M., have you seen growth in the secondary from game one to the Clemson game? Why don't you feel this one, Dollaby? I think yes, um, particularly at safety. And the sample size is, is admittedly a little small, but I've liked what I've seen from Josh Proctor at that free safety position, I, I wish he would have actually caught the two interceptions he got his hands on, the one against Northwestern and the one against Clemson. You'd like to see him do that. But in terms of just being in the right position, staying at home, making plays on the back end, which, which I really think was probably their biggest issue um, early in the season, I, I think he's been pretty good at that. Uh, Kerry Combs, I think, has shown a willingness to tweak some things. They're, they're just not as good as we're used to them being at corner. And, and I think that's a little hard to watch sometimes. And some of the stuff they give up, 
is because they're just playing a lot of cover three, a lot of zone coverage, a lot of off coverage. They're they're willing to give up those underneath throws, and, and the hope is that they can rally and tackle and make teams drive the ball. And they're just not up in guys' faces as like they typically have been in the past, or not they're not as physical um, at the on the ball as they've been in the past. And and I think you'd like to see some maybe more growth there. But in terms of just how out of sorts they seemed early in the year, particularly against Indiana, compared to where they were against Clemson, I, I do think they're better. I don't think they're like leaps and bounds better, but I think they're a little better. Um, and you know, I, I don't think they're going to go out there and shut down Alabama, but I do think there's been a little bit of growth in that area. Yeah, I mean, this was kind of a confusing game to me against Clemson because it's just like, what do you think shifted in their defense the most? Do you think it was a more effective pass rush that rattled uh, Trevor Lawrence? Do you think it was the secondary playing really well? Because I would say that, you know, based on just what I saw, Sean Wade made it might have had one of the the tougher games of his career in that game. Yeah, he did. But they still they still didn't get beat over the top a ton. They kept everything in front of them. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was on his back for a large portion of the game, and like I don't know if it just was that a a heroic effort by the defensive line, or did you think that that was a um, cause for? celebration in terms of improvement for a team that's now going to have to face Devontae Smith in the secondary? I think a little bit of both. It was probably mostly the front um, being able to to affect Trevor Lawrence. They tra- changed some things structurally. Uh, they aligned with two safeties, even though they still mostly played single high cover three. They aligned with two safeties before the snap and sort of rotate it, which was different and I think made things a little more difficult on Trevor Lawrence, but not exceedingly difficult. Um, they widened their linebackers a little bit to help with RPO stuff and getting those throwing lanes. But I think it was mostly that the offensive line just or defensive line just kind of kicked ass the entire game. And um, I think you need that again against Alabama for sure because you need the, you need to get after Mac Jones. I think if you can rattle Trevor Lawrence, you can probably rattle Mac Jones. But you have to get there, and offensive li- or Alabama's offensive line is much better. And and Ohio State might be missing some guys up front. We don't we don't know that yet for sure. Um, but I, I do think the secondary played better like seven banks been nice playing the ball in the end zone he got beat on that go ball early in the game but after that i thought he was pretty good and, and sean wade um he's if you look at his targets and completion percentage like it's really high and he's given up six touchdowns this year in coverage too and the, like the touchdowns are i think are the most alarming thing because those are times where you like you got to make a play on the ball you got to tackle and, and that's more alarming to me than like when he gives up something underneath you have to understand to some level like what they're being asked to do and that is playoff rally and tackle and I think he's been okay at that, but also like Cornell Powell broke him off like two or three times on on double moves, and it's like if Cornell Powell's doing that, what's Devonte Smith going to do? Like I, I understand if that's keeping you up at night a little bit. Um, so I, I think it was like it's not cause for celebration because like it wasn't it wasn't awesome, but it was pretty good. Like it was it was better I think than they've played most of the year. Particularly, there was a thought process, Bill, that before that game that like they were going to give up sixty. Yeah, I mean, they gave up 400 <laughs> passing yards, um, and I think four or five completions of 20 yards or more. But like, I like they, if 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 a team can ever give up 400 yards and not get shredded, like that's what that was. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree, and I think we're going to get some more questions about some personnel guys in the back that you know will help us get into this in more depth. But you know, and I, I don't know if this is I don't want to hijack your host uh, ability here, but one of the questions was. 
uh, but from Eli S, how big of a factor is Lathan Ransom in this game? It's just like, dude, that dude was on Rodgers in the slot, like in the first quarter, yeah. wasn't he? Like that that's a true freshman coming out here and, and playing, and it's just like every single year, it's a tradition like no other. Ohio State plays a team in the playoff, and a true freshman defensive back is back there. And I thought that uh, he didn't give up anything. You know, well. I don't know how great he covered. I thought he played really well, and it's just like if that guy is going to cover Clemson's best receiver and stay with him long enough – to not allow any passes over the top, then I think that the answer to that question is, yeah, it's, he has a – first of all, the future's bright. And second of all, like, they have the confidence to, to put him in, in the game when the game was still in question in the first half and put him on Clemson's best receiver. I think that's a, that, that speaks volumes to, like, what Ohio State's confidence level is in him. Yeah, and, and Josh Proctor was walking down and, and covering Rodgers, too. I guess one way to view it is – like what scares you with Clemson? It's it's Trevor Lawrence running the ball like he did last year. It's the Lawrence to Rogers connection, and it's like Travis Etienne making stuff happen in open space. And like none of that happened. So it's like there's three thing like three real threats you're worried about. And Ohio State did a pretty good job, I think, of neutralizing all of them. And like in the meantime, Cornell Powell kind of got his. So it's like okay, if their second best receiver is having a big day, but you're you're in a lot of ways neutralizing the top three things you're most worried about like that's a really good day for your defense and I don't know it's like is Ohio State going to come out and like neutralize Devontae Smith and and Najee Harris I don't know probably not um and and Smith is not like Rodgers is a slot receiver Smith moves around more um and plays outside more than he does in the slot and like if Jalen Waddle comes back it's a whole different animal to, to contend with but I do think you take a little bit of confidence in their ability to like formulate a plan to take away what the, what the offense does best. I thought they did that really well against Clemson. It's just more difficult against Alabama. But I, I think that does lead us into the question you mentioned, how big of a factor is Lathan Ransom in this game? But there was also a question from Luke L. who said, how much do I need to Venmo Kerry Combs in order for him to run a decent amount of nickel in this game? Because I thought they were going to play a ton of nickel against Clemson, and like they didn't really play it unless it was third down like you would like expect in a normal game. Do you think they might play a bunch of nickel against Alabama? I don't know the answer to that. What, the the idea of third down, um, extra defensive back on the field, it makes a lot of sense to me. But it's also like, how do you want to defend Alabama? Do you want to like make sure that they don't hit you over the top, and do you want to like give it up underneath and do the bend don't break thing, or do you want to like get up on guys, get the pass rush going, and try your best to get them off the field? And it's just like I don't know what the best way to defend them is. It's like, do you try to keep them to thirty one and extend the game? Um, or shorten the game, sorry, by you know making longer drives and less scoring opportunity. Or do you do you want to just to go after them? And I think that's kind of the answer to the question that I don't have sure that th- that I know how to answer. Yeah, like what's the best way to defend them? I would like my my gut would say like invite them to run the ball. So whatever like structure, and they kind of did that with Clemson, just like structure your defense in a way that because they do a ton of RPO stuff. So invite them to. Whatever, whatever you do with your defense, make it look like for Mac Jones that he should give the ball to run it rather than pull it and throw it because they shred teams and they throw the ball in RPOs. So whatever that looks like, I don't know if that is playing more nickel or not. Um, Arkansas, when they played Arkansas earlier in the year, Arkansas was like dropping eight on every play and like really made Alabama march down the field, but they just did it and they won like 52-3 to three anyway. I don't think you do that. I think you play it mostly pretty straight up. Um, it's just a matter of like – the way they move Smith around and like they haven't really Ohio State hasn't done a whole lot of like moving its corners around to follow receivers it's like do you really want like if if Devontae Smith is in a slot and 
you want to keep like two guys over the top do you like you know you don't want justin hilliard like for as good as he's been covering Devontae smith like do you want an extra defensive back out there um I, I think maybe you would but i thought they would against amari rogers too and they didn't do it so i i, I don't think they're going to play a ton of nickel only because I expected it and they didn't do it last time. But I, I think the thought process is It's a sound. different animal, though, now, don't you think? Like, wouldn't you say that different animal means different idea? Yeah, no, I, I would. Um, and Alabama, too, like, Ohio State's defense is, like, primarily, like, single high safety, and Alabama, like, leads the country in yards per play against single high defenses. Um, by the way, read my film study I wrote this week, theathletic.com slash 4-6. Get you signed up. You can read that. 3,000 words on Alabama versus Ohio State. Some of this is in there. Um, my thought, and I'm not a football coach, but my thought is like you play a lot of too high, you play a lot of, of too high coverages, and you put an extra defensive back on the field. That would be my plan, but I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I'd go with your plan, coach. You've been watching film. So, uh, yeah, I think extra defensive backs uh, keep things in front of you, get the most athletic players to, you know, be potentially matched up on their athletic receivers. I mean, especially if like Waddle comes back. Like, I mean, that's like, at what point do you have no choice? Yeah. Um, Eric B asks, do you think Sean Wade follows Devontae Smith all over the, all over the field um, when the Buckeyes are in man? Do you think Ohio State is better off playing more man or zone coverage? They're going to play zone. They played zone all year. It looks like man. Like sometimes when they're in cover three and those guys on the outside get like vertical routes, like then it kind of becomes man. But they're, Ohio State does not play a lot of man coverage. So I think that's like a misnomer with Ohio State's defense. Um, so they're going to play a lot of zone. And I don't think that Sean Way is going to follow Devontae Smith all over the field. Can, can I kind of morph this question? Because I, I just like, I like the idea of a, a Wade question. But like, let me ask you this How do you think Wade physically matches up with Smith when they're, uh, uh, when he's on him? Like, is Wade the shutdown corner the way that Okuda was, or do you think Wade has that ability to cover the man? I mean, I think that's the most important thing here. No, uh, I don't. <laughs> like, is he... This was somebody that we thought was... I flew to Jacksonville last January to spend time with him. Like, him only. Like, that speaks volumes on, like, what he means to this defense and it's like this is when they need him to be effective and it's just like is he a first round cornerback who can because i like his attitude on the zoom call you know who i want to be on like I, I like that it's easy to say things on a zoom call mm-hmm. is ohio state in good hands here uh i think they're in fine hands it's like p- part of it is just like I don't know if anybody in college football can cover Devontae Smith. So it's like if Sean Wade's not up to the task, it's like it's, it's okay on some well, I know. level. If Okuda was on this team, I bet you'd feel a little bit differently about it. Yeah, but Okuda, and I don't know if it's fair to to compare him to Okuda, but I don't think that Okuda would have kept the guy from scoring. I'm sure he would have got Devontae was going to get his no matter what. But do you have somebody who's going to stop him from being unstoppable 100 percent of the time? No, I don't think they do. Um, if Sean Wade had shown himself at any point this season to be a little more physical on the ball, then maybe I'd feel differently. But, like, I've been waiting for it, and it hasn't happened. Um, like, I don't think he's a fir- – I think he's a good football player. Um, I think he might be, like uh, – it turns out he's better suited to play inside, or maybe he's better suited to play safety. It's just, like, he has not shown the ability, I think – to hang with these number ones the way you'd, you'd think he would. And um, he's not been bad all year. Like, he's he does the, – the Cornell Powell stuff, I think, was a little bit of an outlier. Like, he 
he spun Sean around a couple times and got open. For the most part, Sean's been in pretty good position this year. He's just not made the play often enough, I think, when the ball's there. So if if Cornell Powell separating from Sean Wade the way he did on a couple plays was was just a bad day for Sean Wade and he can kind of recalibrate, and I, I understand I'm saying that against the Heisman Trophy winner, um, then maybe he can make some plays because he's, he's a long corner, he's a big guy. He was physical as hell last year. I just don't know why it's different this year. Um, so if that can change, then then I feel a little better about it. But it's just like he's been in position so much with the ball there, and just like that he's lost too much. So um, no, I don't. I think the Smith's but you can look at it his. the other way too, right? Like and just say this is the most important game of his career, and like his money's on the line right now. He can make some and money. It's like that's he for could sure. come out and have the best the best uh, game of his career. And he can erase everything that we think about him Absolutely. In, one, in four quarters of football. Absolutely. And I think that's exciting. And if they put him on him and he has a great game, um, I'm more confident, I think, than other people are that he is the physical tools and the ability to do what people don't think he can do. And I think when put in this position, when Ohio State needs him the most with a national championship game <laughs> and trophy on the line, I, I think there's a chance here that we might see something from him that we haven't seen so far. And if not, then... You know, the alternative is going to be who can stop Devontae Smith. But if Ohio State can get in, in Mac Jones' face and he can hang with him, I, I think that there's a chance that Sean Wade could play himself back into the first round in one game. Yeah, I think so too. Because I think he's – it's weird. Like the, the draft writers and like the scouts, I think, are in different places on Sean Wade. Because like Todd McShay had Sean Wade like 13th in his mock draft the other day. Like I don't, I don't really think anybody thinks that Sean Wade's that guy right now. But I think he's like on the fringe of the first round – Part of that is like name recognition, I suppose, but I think he can play his way to pretty solidly being there if he plays well against Devontae Smith. I also got a screenshot from a friend that had Justin pa- uh, Fields falling to the Patriots at 15. Is that the same draft? Uh, I don't know. I didn't read it. I just saw it. Okay, because it was ESPN font, so I don't know whose draft it was, but I saw that. I was like, all right, dude. Pass, they, huh? 15. Yeah, I don't know about all that. Yeah, I don't know. And if if that's the case, then I will 100% believe that Bill Belichick made the deal with with Satan himself. <laughs> <laughs> Not the devil, Satan. Satan. Yeah. He's got Satan on speed dial. Okay. You're uh, going to hit the second half of this Eric B. question real quick because i got a funny story to tell you about it. Yes. Uh, Eric B. said, uh, can I pay you $100 on top of the cost of sandwiches to bring me back 10 chicken tender subs from Publix? I would like half to be smothered in buffalo sauce. Thanks. Like, they wouldn't travel, man. Like, I'd love to do that for you, but they're not going to travel well. Yeah, um, I just want to let you know, Bill, uh, yesterday I posted a picture um, in, in the pool uh, with my beautiful future bride and uh, somebody, <laughs> some random fan uh, who listens to the podcast uh, messaged me. I'm going to go find it on my phone. And he said, uh, do they have, he said, is there a Publix down there? <laughs> And I said, no, I told my girlfriend, let's get the hell out of here. Why would we fly all the way down here to get showed up by Landis? <laughs> We're all the way out here with five-star restaurants and amazing food, and you're over here having a meatball sub from a grocery store, and somehow I'm jealous of you. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I think I won that one. Yeah, yeah. The public sub is, I guess, is very good. Like, so it was, I, was, I was surprised by it. I mean, I don't know how you've been there four days and you didn't hit it again. But, I have, you know, I've, gone, uh, I've gone twice. I'm trying to the same sub or are we trying to I got chicken tender I got a chicken tender sub both times the second time the first time was buffalo and it was great the second time I got honey mustard and it was still pretty good but not as good but it was the it's the amount of chicken tender they put on that thing is absurd and someone told me that like I think they put four three or four chicken tenders on there and they chop it up 
And some, I think someone told me that if you were to buy four chicken tenders, it would cost more money than if you just got the sub that comes with four tenders worth of chicken on it. You know what bothers me is that I haven't gotten a picture of this thing once, and I can't picture in my head what it looks like. It's chopped up chicken tenders. Yeah. And then they put, like, lettuce and tomato and all that stuff on it, too, or is it? Yeah, whatever you want on there. And the, if the buffalo one, they, like, toss it in the buffalo sauce. And I, I had them put some ranch in the mix, too. Sweet mother of God. A little pepper jack cheese. Toast that bad boy. A little lettuce. A uh, little tomato. A little pickle. Living right. Yeah. No, I know. It's a pretty I, uh, hefty sandwich. Yeah. Hey, good for you, man. Yeah. Cheers to you. Someone got mad at me, too. Someone from Philly said, like, I can't believe you're calling it a sub instead of a hoagie. Like, bro, a chicken tenders on a roll is not a hoagie. It's a sub. Like, I hate to admit it, but it's a sub. It's not a hoagie. Anybody who's got the balls... To challenge Bill on what a hoagie and a sub is, I mean, like there's there's just battles I'm not going to take, yeah. and like I, that's not one of them. Like him and I, uh, Bill and I have clashed over the years about proper etiquette and whether or not you can dip a chicken tender. What did I dip in ketchup? ketchup. You got chicken all... tender and ketchup like a two year old. You know, but not not going to put the the dukes up when we're talking about what a hoagie and a sub is. Yeah, that was I know that guy. His name is Steve Taylor. He doesn't listen to this podcast, but he can screw off. Okay. Also, everybody in this resort in Cabo right now is from Philly, just so you know, because this is like the official snowbird. Uh, That's funny, because everyone down here in Florida is from Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, this is going to go long, but I want to hit some more questions before we give our picks. Okay. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Let's jump to... Uh, from Joseph A. Every analyst I read, and fans too... Seeing this game as a shootout, which makes total sense given what we've seen from these offenses, but it seems like when everyone is on a particular outcome that seems obvious, the opposite usually happens. So, what's the scenario where this is a low-scoring game, assuming Justin Fields is healthy? I don't think there is one. Do you think there is one? I don't know either. I, I think it's possible that if you, pres- like what you said about nickel, putting Alabama in a position to run, even if Harris is picking up four or five yards a carry, where you take six, six, seven minutes off of a touchdown drive, you know, and then get to the end and turn it over in the red zone. Like, there are things that happen that, you know, you just don't finish. And these two teams are going to go up and down the field, but, you know, it could be one of those. I mean, last year, it's funny because last year's Clemson game and the Fiesta Bowl felt like a shootout, but the score was low. Yeah. You know, like, they, I don't feel like the 2019 Fiesta Bowl was a defensive struggle. I thought it was just teams not finishing when they got there. Yeah. And. That's the scenario to me. I, I think that there's going to be a ton of yardage, but I don't know if teams, both of these teams, are guaranteed to score touchdowns every time they're in. And it's just like, I think whenever we watch Alabama play, how many times have we seen Devontae Smith 80 yards just through the, like, it's a slant and he just, like, takes it up the middle and is, is gone. That's what they do. Yeah. And it's like, I think if Ohio State is able to limit whether or not Alabama gets 80 yard chunk plays or 80 yard touchdown scores, um, you know that that might help you in that regard. It's like the bend don't break philosophy on both sides of the ball um, puts you in that position. But the over under seventy five, and like I don't know that I would take the under if my life depended on it. But 
Also, what he says is completely right. Everybody says and thinks one thing, and then the exact opposite happens. I could think, I could see like, what is low scoring anyway? Right. Like, that's the, yeah. That's a good is, question. Is, is low scoring like thirty one twenty six? Is it? Would that be low scoring? I think if yeah, I think if nobody reaches forty, it's. I think you consider this game low scoring. I think that's possible. I just don't see it being twenty one seventeen. No, I don't see it being twenty one seventeen either. I I could see like thirty one twenty four, thirty one twenty eight, thirty five twenty seven, something like that. Yeah. You know. You know. I with a ton of yards, but I think it's going to take turnovers and long sustained drives based on on running the ball. And like both teams seem to want to be able to do that. And it's like you gave Ohio State the the nod on offensive line here, and Alabama won the offensive line award. And it's like I think both teams are going to want to establish the run. One team has Najee Harris and one team has Eddie George. Like I mean, it's like <laughs> I wonder how much running there's going to be because you know Ohio State's going to draw up a wonderful plan, and you know I think we're going to get a tight ends question here later on. And you know the weapons are there, but also I don't know if either one of these coaches has the. I mean, I don't know. I think Ohio State's probably more suited to being a shootout because their offensive-minded head coach, like Nick Saban, still like pounds his fist against the table whenever thinking that offense is Trump defense. You know, yeah. so you know, I don't know. Low scoring, thirty-one twenty-eight, totally could see it. Low scoring, seventeen fourteen, absolutely not. From David G, does Alabama have Patrick Sertan, Jr. on one side of the field usually really shadow Chris Olave the whole game, and then the follow-up on that is does Garrett Wilson have a chance at a big game working against Alabama's second? secondary options um from what i've seen Sertan moves around a little bit um i don't know if he follows like number one the entire time but i think you'll see him on multiple guys throughout the game but i do this to me like watching what florida did with Kadarius tony and watching what Ole miss did with elijah moore and like the way they move those guys around and like hunted matchups i think this is a big garrett wilson game if Ohio State is going to play well, I think this is a big Garrett Wilson game. He like it wasn't Garrett Wilson had that long catch in the Sugar Bowl, but that was more of like that was like a lava game and tight ends were involved and Trey Sermon. Um, I think Garrett Wilson might go off in this game. What do you think? Yeah, you think it's like one of those things too, where going into the the uh, Big Ten championship game when Olave was out, it was just like oh, it's fine. They've got Garrett Wilson. It's just one player, and it's like I think having both of those is crucial. And I think that Garrett Wilson has shown what he is. I don't know that he has been as productive in big games as Olave has been in the past. And I think this is his first chance to be very productive on the biggest stage. You know, and this is why he didn't go to Texas, right? This is mm-hmm. why he came to Ohio State to play in these games and to, you know, put another fat head on his wall uh, of him making a crazy catch in a big time atmosphere like this. And it's like, if they want to key on Olave, that's fine. Olave, I think right now, is probably the more proven asset for this team. But if you leave Garrett Wilson, he's going to burn you. And yeah. I think that this is a very good example of these two. What do these two guys have combined for 75% of their targets? Something like that. This yeah. year from the receiver. It's like, it's crazy. This is the These are the keys. And it's like, if they want to key on Olave, I think that takes away the home run threat. But I think Garrett Wilson could have the best, biggest game in the most important time of his career. I think and introduce himself as the star that he is because he's a star. Yeah, I'm. I'm very excited. Um, Ohio State against Clemson did a lot of stuff where they would like put their formation to the short side of the field and then have an, a receiver like isolated on the backside. And I'm very excited to see if they get in situations where Chris Olave is that guy who's isolated on the backside against Patrick Sertan and they can just go one on one at each other. That's going to be really fun. Um, but I kept thinking like as, as I was watching Alabama's 
games or a few Alabama games from this year, I kept thinking about some of the stuff that Ohio State was doing with Garrett Wilson against Penn State where they were doing like a lot of motion stuff and getting the defense to flow one way and then throwing it back the other way to Garrett Wilson, like getting him in space and they gave him that jet sweep. I just like I can see Ohio State doing some of that stuff against this Alabama defense who doesn't like they have guys, but they don't appear to be super disciplined. Um like in the in the back seven, I guess, and they're kind of young, like in the secondary. And Malachi Moore, who was like their nickel for most of the year, didn't play against Notre Dame. I don't know if he's going to play against Ohio State or not. So it's like if there's a guy like who's like a backup. Granted, he's an Alabama backup, but he's still a backup there, like covering Garrett Wilson. Like Josh Job, their other corner is good, but he's not as good as um, Patrick Sertan. Like I don't know. I think there's favorable stuff here for Garrett Wilson, or maybe it's the tight ends. But I think Chris Olave is going to have to work. Because Sertan's really good, I still think he'll he'll be involved and be important. But it just really feels like it's setting up for for the Garrett Wilson show, and it's kind of weird. Like last year's Clemson game and this year's Clemson games, like Garrett Wilson made a crazy catch early and then like didn't do much after that. I think he's going to get peppered with some targets in this game. I don't know if there's props out there, but I'm very curious. I guess on the next question, maybe. I'll go look and see if they have national championship props. But I wonder what his over-under would be. We were so wrong about the over-under. It's like funny. You set the line at the wrong place at 140 for Sermon rushing yards in the last game. Yeah. And it was like 80-something, I think, actually. And then it turned out that both of those were like awfully wrong. <laughs> and like maybe 140 was better than a the linesman did. Um but it'd be very curious to see if they had those um, props out, and it doesn't look like they do right now for for player props. Like what Garrett Wilson's uh, yardage total would be in this game. Like where would you set it? And then we'll have somebody tweet us uh, later on and tell us what it is. Um, I'm gonna look up like Garrett Wilson's game log. I want to look and see what he had against Penn State in that game. Um, he's got six. He's only got five touchdowns this year. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Let's see. He had against Penn State. He had 111 receiving, and he had 62 on the rush. I would like you want like total yards or receiving yards. Receiving yards. Um, like 120. Yeah, I can see that. It's like he can the way they use him. It's like he can get 120 on two catches. Like I don't know if that's enough. Like I want to. I want it like a. Like I'm talking like a seven catch, hundred and twenty five, hundred and thirty yard kind of game with a touchdown or two for Garrett Wilson. Like, that's the kind of game that I'm envisioning, not two catches for or three catches for hundred and fifteen yards. Yeah, I think I think you get seven catches, hundred and twenty one yards, and a touchdown. You have a chance to win. Yeah, I think that means you found something with him, and you're exploiting it yeah. to your advantage. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, uh, Keith J. Sticking with the offense, asked, uh, "Will the tight ends continue to be a big factor in the passing game?" And ASF, will Luke Farrell and Jeremy Ruckert both be drafted? Yeah, for sure. I don't know. I think Ruckert might stay, um, but they're both going to get drafted whenever they go out. Luke Farrell's going to go out this year. Ruckert might stay and go out the following year, but they're both draftable players for sure. Um, yeah, I agree. Do you think um, Do you think the tight ends – they had three touchdowns against Clemson, which is the most the t- Ohio State's tight ends have had in the game. Uh, what was it? Going back to 2010, I think. 1931, I think. Was 1931, the, the stat. yeah. Um, do you do you envision them being a, a big factor again against Alabama? This is the best tight end group they've ever had, right? It's really good. I mean, they had Ricky Dudley. Um, you know, I know that they've had uh, some pretty big players like Jeff Hireman and Nick Vanette, and you know, we all know the names. But 
you know, Kevin Wilson used to bang his drum. This is the best group of tight ends I've ever been around. You know, I don't know if like them watching them blocking is entertaining. And I don't know if Ohio State just found something to exploit in Clemson's defense or if this is just an indication of what they have. But that catch that Farrell made, I know that like Rutgers catch in the Big Ten championship game last year was more aesthetically pleasing because he looked like the Jordan logo when he did it. But he caught a fastball from Fields like with his left shoulder pad. Yeah. And I don't think people like appreciate how amazing that catch was. And, you know, the fact that these guys can be on the field in, in 12 personnel, which is the thing that wakes you up in the morning. Um, and the fact that they can be used in the passing game the way they are, it's just like when you combine that with what they have at receiver, it is absurd how much talent is on this offense. Yeah. They've got a def- they've got an offensive line that's that's hitting on all cylinders. They've got a running back who uh, might be the first player drafted in the 2020 draft, like all these things that are happening. And it's just like, wow. You know, I, I, I think they will be a big – factor in the passing game and if nothing else I think that they're going to require attention which will open up other things yeah so I mean I don't know that that when you say will they be a big factor in the passing game I don't know if that equates directly to statistics I I think that it's just a a factor in general of something that you have to watch on film and something that you have to prepare for and, and respect I think it was it's huge for them in the red zone to have those two guys and their ability to they're really good route runners. They know how to get open. They're sure handed. Um, like they don't get used a ton, but they're they're really good in in, in those areas. Um, I wonder. I don't know what the pressure situation is going to be in terms of how often Nick Saban is going to want to blitz um, Justin Fields. But when like when they played, they didn't do this as much against Indiana, or at least Justin Fields didn't see it as much against Indiana. Like when they played Penn State, they were using those guys as like late releases, kind of in the same way they used Trey Sermon against Clemson. It's like you're at least a tight end late. He's wide open over in the middle because they blitz and there's nobody like right in that immediate second level. I think they can get some of that stuff going. And I do think you know you watch Alabama. I think I, I don't their linebackers are good against the run, um, but they're not good in coverage. Like I don't think like Dylan Moses can cover Jeremy Ruckert or Luke Farrell. Um, if he finds himself in those situations, or or Trey Sermon for that matter, so I think Trey Sermon, Luke Farrell, Jeremy Ruckert in the passing game is going are going to be available for some easy yards for Justin Fields if it becomes difficult to throw the ball down the field. And I'm not I'm not sure that it will, but if it does, I think those guys are going to be available. So I do think they're a factor. Um, maybe yeah. mostly in the red zone. I don't think you move the ball up and down the field by just throwing to your tight ends. Although I guess they could, um, but I don't think. I don't think it's going to be one of those situations where, like, we've seen in the past where it's like the tight ends have a monster game and then they just go dormant for the next four games. I think they had a monster game against Clemson, and I think they might have a monster game again again against Alabama. You see who just Penn State just hired as their offensive coordinator? Who? Mike Yursich. Really? Yeah. That's hilarious. Just happened now. I saw that, yeah, Brett McMurphy reporting it, Mike Yursich. Bouncing around back in Pennsylvania. That's where he's from, right? He is, like, no, he's from no, he's, uh, he's from Northeast he's from Ohio, Ohio, but, but he yeah. went to um, Indiana University, I think. No, where did he go? I heard a story about this last year. He played at one of the Division Two Pennsylvania schools. Um, yeah, then he coached at one of those Pennsylvania. He schools? like made his name at Shippensburg University as the yeah, offensive coordinator. Yeah, back I was working at the Carlisle Sentinel back then, and uh, that offense was tearing things up. Um, back in 2012, I think it was. And then he got hired from that level to go to Oklahoma State. Um, and then has kind of taken off since then. But good for him, I guess. It's an interesting hire. I don't know. Mm-hmm. The problem with Penn State is they still don't have a quarterback. So good luck with that. All right, last question, and then we'll give our picks. And I, I, I don't have a great answer for this question. You've been following Ohio State longer than I have, so I want your expertise on this. 
uh, from Tyler F. Finish this sentence. This Alabama team is the best team this program has faced since. And he lists 14 Alabama, 08 USC, 06 Florida, 03 Miami. Like, what, what's your take on that? Alabama, this Alabama team is the best team Ohio State has faced since when? Didn't the team that they lost to in 16 and the Clemson team win the national title? Yeah, they did, yes. Yeah, I, I feel like that would probably be the answer. And I don't know that that... I think this team, this Alabama team had, like, they had Deshaun Watson, who was, like, the ultimate yeah. dude. I think this Alabama team has more dudes than that Clemson team had. It's like, you can go back, uh, 14 Bama, I think, is the worst version of Bama that they could have faced. Like, they had Blake Sims as their quarterback, and I think he is probably the worst quarterback that they've had yeah. in the recent past. So, probably not that. 03 Miami was a juggernaut. So, I mean, I don't know if you have to go back that far, but the team they lost to the last time they made, or the... Two times ago, and they lost in the playoffs to Clemson, thirty-one nothing, won the national title. So I think like that would probably be the answer. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it's probably right to like give proper deference to to that Clemson team. It's like I don't understand the question. Does it mean that like if you keep going back, like each team gets progressively worse than the team that you pick? Because it's like the O three Miami team was a juggernaut, but I don't know. Do you like hop? Like you're you're hopping over Alabama, all these other teams to get to 03? Well, unless like it's, I don't I don't remember like the the 08 USC game. I don't remember who was on that team in 2008 for USC. But it's like, do you think this Alabama team is better than that USC team? Yes. Do you think this team, this Alabama team, is better than the 06 Florida team that beat them in the championship? Probably not. That was that was leak Tebow, right? That was not just yeah. Tebow. Yeah. 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 Maybe not. And they had like Brandon Spikes and stuff. Like they they were they were stacked. I don't know. Like I said this to somebody yesterday. I was texting with someone, and I said like this Alabama team is really good. I'm not so sure it's like the inevitable buzzsaw that it's being made out to be. And maybe I'll eat those words on Monday night. Like I didn't. Devontae Smith is awesome, but I don't know if I watched this team and thought at any point like, whoa, this team might be the best team I've ever watched before. Like I don't. I, I don't. I'm not there. Yeah, I don't know that I'm there either. Yeah, I, I don't know that, like, I view this year's Alabama team as, like, comparing them to last year's LSU team uh, or the teams that were viewed to be unbeatable. Like, 03 and 02 Miami were, like, some of the greatest college football teams of all time. Yeah. Like, I mean, if I, you watch the replay, it's like Andre Johnson and Willis McGahee and Kellen Winslow and Jeremy Shockey. It's like all these, it's like, I don't know. I, I think they're a very good football team, and I think they've got one of the best receivers to ever play college football. But I don't know that I view them as unbeatable. Which I, don't I think might be a nice nice segue into what we think now. Yeah, all right. Let's give our picks, um, and we'll end the show here. Uh, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first, because I don't know what I'm picking yet. <laughs> I don't know what I'm picking yet. All right, I'm going to be a downer. I'm torn. I'm really torn. I'm torn too. Like, and this, this is, um, really hard. And like, unlike the last time we picked, and we both unequivocally picked Clemson to win. Yep. The fact that like we're in this position right now, I think I want to pick Ohio State. My my heart tells me go with the hot team that feels like a team of destiny, but my brain tells me that Alabama just might be too good this year, and. The reason why I'm giving it to Bama right now is because I think that I am worried about Ohio State's COVID issues. 
And I think that if some of the rumored players are actually not going to play, I don't know how this team can can win. And I'm not saying they can't. It's just impossible to pick beforehand. And I'll gladly be wrong and we'll analyze it and I'm wrong. And you can all call me a dumbass for picking against Ohio State. But I just think that like in an eight-point spread where we're not sure who's missing, like picking Ohio State straight up I think might not be the play here. So I think Ohio State with the points is the play I would put my money on and maybe sprinkle in a little money line for value. But as it pertains to who I think in my heart is going to win the game right now, I think it's probably going to be Alabama. And I think the score is going to be something like uh, 41 to 35. Yeah. That's I think that's where I am too. I just have a the reason Ohio State was so good against Clemson is because of of how they like owned the line of scrimmage, particularly on the defensive side. They just like they neutralized Clemson's ability to run the ball basically with just their front four. Um and I don't know if they're going to be able to do that against Alabama if if some of the stuff we're hearing with the covid issues is true, particularly as it pertains to the defensive line. Um and that makes it difficult for me to pick Ohio State. I think they're going to score. I think this offense is is perfectly equipped to score on Alabama. And I think they will score on Alabama. And I actually do think that it might come down to whoever has the ball last. I think this could be that kind of game. Um, so if it's Ohio State in that situation, um, then, then maybe they can do it. Or maybe they're in a situation to tie the game and they can do it and, and goes to overtime or something. But um, I think I just like Alabama's ability to finish drives a little bit more than I do Ohio State's um, given like Ohio State's not been great in the red zone all year they were really good against Clemson but they've not been great all year Alabama's defense is pretty good in the red zone um, even if it's even if some of its other numbers are are not that great so um, I'm gonna pick Alabama too and not feel great about it Um, but I just think like like you said it's difficult to pick Ohio State kind of head-to-head like straight up right now so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Alabama uh, 48-42 or 49-42, sorry. Oh, wow. Yeah. Big yeah. big time shootout. The final score is probably going to be 31 to 26. But uh you know, we'll go with what the spreads say and you know what it is what it is, but like let me finish before we finish this with by saying there were things that could have happened and the thing that did happen in the Clemson game is absolutely shocking. I don't think any type of Ohio State victory whether it be blowout win looking like oh four I don't think anything that Ohio State is capable of would be shocking at this point. I think they're playing very good football. They're very confident. I'm confident that Ryan Day can design an offense to get things going. Their defense, if they can get the most out of every player like they did last time, they took the field. I think Ohio State absolutely could win this game. And I would be more confident right now saying that Ohio State could beat Alabama than I would have been to say Ohio State could beat Clemson. Mm-hmm. So like they have it's definitely changed the, the vibe, I hope, even though we're both picking Alabama, people listening to this, I hope you know that the vibe of what we believe Ohio State to be capable of has completely completely shifted in their favor. They're just playing they're just playing Alabama and they have COVID issues. So, you know, I think we're just trying to be responsible and not just like act like, oh, it's no big deal. Ohio State's going to win. That might absolutely happen. And if it does, I wouldn't be even remotely shocked. Again, I would gamble on Ohio State. I would even play Moneyline. Just because you think it's the values close. there, yeah. I think Ohio State is going. I think it's going to be a game in the fourth quarter, and when you get to that point, I'll take two to one on anybody. Yeah. So you know, just because I picked Alabama, you know, and I, and if I, even if I did, 
You can come at me and call me an idiot. That's fine. It's part of the game. If I knew exactly what was going to happen, I would be in Vegas, not in Mexico. Um, or maybe I'd be in Mexico gambling from my phone. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for the game, and I think it's going to be a classic, and I cannot wait. I think it's going to be a great game. Um, I totally think that Ohio State is capable of winning. Uh, I'm I'm very curious to see the availability report and like just where things stand. I I don't think I don't think it's quite as bad as it's being portrayed with like some of like the imminent cancellation discussion. But I do think there's going to be a, a decent hurdle for Ohio State to get over um, if it is going to win this game. But but I think they are playing their best at the time you want them to be playing their best. I think that could be enough for them to beat Alabama. Um, but I'm a, I'm a little trepidatious to pick that. Um, mm-hmm. But but I certainly think I, – I, I agree with you. I feel better. I thought Ohio State could beat Clemson, and I think I said that last time, but I feel in a weird way better about their chances to beat Alabama than I did going into the semifinal. I don't know if that yep, makes much sense. I agree sense. with you, man. So, all right, so we're both picking Alabama. We think it's going to be a great game. We think Ohio State can definitely win. Um, but when Ohio State does win, um, feel free to throw it back in our faces that we didn't pick it. That's fine. That's what this is about. We'll take it. Yep. We'll take it. It means you're listening to the podcast, and we appreciate that. Um, thanks for listening uh, all season. We'll, we'll have a show after the game. Obviously, we're going to break down whatever happens on Monday night. But um, before we sign off, just want to um, say that we really appreciate you guys sticking with us all year. We know it's been a weird year, um, and we've tried to navigate that as, as deftly as possible. I don't know if we've always done a great job with it, but we, we appreciate you being along for the ride with us. So thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you guys after the national title game.